Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We are starting a new series today that we're going to be in the next four weeks, and I can't wait to get into it today. Um, as I began to study for this, I had a, it always happens, and it really frustrates me. I start with one idea, and then God just changes it on me and gives me something else to share that's probably a million times better anyways. So, but all I just want to, we got a lot going on this Christmas at church. Uh, we got a lot of fun things happening. Uh, we have our, today, our Boys and Girls Club gifts. We have our Christmas Eve service. Our first one is a church. And come out to that. It's going to be fun. Christmas Eve service. We got a, a kid's um, performance on the 16th. We're starting our series. A lot going on. So if you'd like to invite someone to join us for this series, we have these cards that you can get on the way out. And I encourage you to invite at least two people to this series over the next three or four weeks because they're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to hear about the love of Jesus. And it'll be a great environment for them to know more about God. And so grab one of these also. There's also an invitation card for our Christmas Eve service as well. On the back it says you're invited. There will be cinnamon buns and music, uh, Christmas music and a great message. So grab one of these as well and invite someone to join you. We just want to put these in your uh, tool belt of inviting people to church. And so grab one of these on the way out today. So I want to tell you a story. There's a young boy who um, wanted to write a letter to God asking for gifts. His parents quickly in his young age deterred him from Santa, even though I'm not sure if my kids still believe in Santa. Do they, Steph? I don't know. But anyways, so this young boy wanted to write a letter to God, and he wanted to ask God for a gift. And so he started, sat down, he got his piece of paper out, and he sat down at his little desk, got his pencil out, and he said, Dear God, comma, my name is Johnny, dot, or period, not dot, period. I would say dot, 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 but period. I've been a really good boy this year. He stops. Nah, he crumbles it up and says, I have not been a good boy this year. He throws it aside. He gets another piece of paper out. He writes again. He says, oh, dear God, comma, hi, my name is Johnny, period. He says, I've been a pretty good boy this year. He stops. No, he scrambles it up, throws it on the ground. No, I have not been a pretty good boy this year. Gets a piece of paper out again, does the same thing. Dear God, my name is Johnny. He says, I've been an okay boy this year. Crumbles it up, throws it. He's frustrated. He's angry. He walks downstairs, and he wants to go downstairs and just get into the Christmas spirit. He walks in front of this Christmas tree, and he's looking around, kind of upset. And as, he, and he's, he's, as he's kind of fuming a little bit, he finally walks over to the nativity scene. And he looks at this nativity scene, and as he looks down, he sees... Joseph and, and Mary and the animals and little baby Jesus. And as he's looking at baby Jesus, he picks up Mary and he, he looks at Mary and he, she's so beautiful and she's so holy. And he then takes, wraps Mary in this little cloth and puts a little rubber band about, around it and walks upstairs and sits down next to his desk and sets Mary wrapped in the cloth and a rubber band and says, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you'll give me what I want. LAUGHTER Christmas is all about gifts and getting what we want, isn't it? <laughs> Christmas is all about gifts. It surrounds around the idea of gifts. I mean, how many of you have your Christmas traditions where on Christmas, the Christmas season, you open up your gifts on Christmas Eve, and some of you do it on Christmas Day, and some of you uh, give 5,000 gifts. Some of you give one gift. One thing we do for our kids is we don't do, uh, we actually don't give our kids gifts. We actually just do like a time away with them. 
And so it's kind of like we're giving them an experience. Uh, and, and that's something we do. But Christmas, the Christmas season is all about gifts. You've got a list of gifts. You go shopping for gifts. You go, to the, you go to Chinook Mall and put up with the craziness and parking and all the things there. And everything is centered around this idea of gift giving. And that's why I thought, man, it'd be really interesting to talk about the idea of a gift around Christmas time because the idea of a gift can change as you get older. The, when you're young, you just expect everyone's going to give you a gift and you don't ever think about giving them something back in return. You just, you know, my daughter's been strategically planting seeds in our minds since January 1st, you know. She's been, uh, you know, hedging her bets with grandparents and uncles and aunts and, okay, how am I going to get what I need? And I don't think she's thinking in her mind about what a gift actually is, what it actually means. The Webster Dictionary actually defines a gift as something voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation. So the idea of a gift is that someone gives something, something of value to honor them, to thank them, to love them, but the expectation is, I don't want you to do anything for me in return. It's voluntary. I'm giving this to you as a gift, not expecting that you're going to do anything in return. And so I want to talk to you about the, the, this gift of Jesus. And on our tagline, we say, why was Jesus born? Now, if you've been at church for a long time, I'm sure you could do the math and figure out a lot of the different things we're going to talk about. But I wanted to take a little bit of a step back, actually, and try to look at some things that maybe we don't often talk about around Christmas time. We talk, I'm going to talk about four different things. I want to talk about the idea of this gift of peace. I want to talk about the idea of this gift of victory. I want to talk about the idea of the gift that, that he took your place that as, a, uh, as though a, uh, a murderer was being uh, on trial. Jesus came in and took your place. And lastly, I want to talk about the idea of this idea that in God's sight when God came, by Jesus Christ, uh, being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are now considered, like in God's sight, you are perfectly righteous in the sight of God. And these are things that we don't often think about around Christmas time. But today I want to talk to you about something that I couldn't get away from. I tried to. I really tried to. But I just couldn't. I want to talk to you today about the idea of, of, of God's gift of peace. You know, prior to Christ coming to earth, there was a major gap between us and God. In Romans chapter 5.12, it says, When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience, and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity, because all have sinned. And so because of Adam's one sin, it cast this cloud over all of humanity, that from the time Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, there was this idea, this casted shadow of sin and death over all of us. Now, if you, you probably understand the context of this verse, but for those of you who don't, let me just tell you that when God created Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden, they had a perfect relationship with God, and he basically said, as you've been a part of our relationship series, I won't belabor the point, because this was the main thought of our relationship series, that God came to them and said, listen, I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose between the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
or you can choose to be in relationship with me. You have an option. It's your choice. But I want you to know if you choose me, you're going to have an amazing relationship. You're going to experience peace, joy, love, all these things in your life. But if you decide to choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I want to warn you, you destination, and it no longer live as long as you were supposed to live. Death will be your ultimate destination, an eternal significance, there's an eternal impact. But mainly, you will have death spiritually in your walk with me. And so when Adam and Eve were tricked by the devil, they were tricked to eat the fruit. Adam and Eve then sinned. And the Bible identifies the results. Now, hang on for me. Don't worry. Christmas is about cheer, so don't worry. We'll talk for a minute about this, and we'll get to the, the cheerful stuff. So hold on for a minute. But look at this scripture in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. It says, then he said to the woman, sorry, so just I'm going to prepare you. This is not a great verse. But he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in your pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband. Come on, ladies, say hello. <laughs> but he will rule over you. <laughs> Sorry. That's the curse. Oh, we'll go back to that another day. In 2019. The man's, and then, then he said to the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. There's two phrases there. The phrase pain in childbirth and a scratch a living from it are both the same Hebrew word identifying the idea of sorrow, labor, hardship, toil, grief, displeasure, hardship, offense. So you might be here today and you say, man, I come around Christmas time and Ryan, it's not a really great time for me actually. It's actually not very cheerful because I have to see my mother-in-law or I have to see my, uh, my, my ex or my, we have this blended relationship thing going on or, or man, I don't have money to pay for my gifts or I lost someone over the holiday season or all of these different things that we experience over the Christmas holidays that sometimes aren't that Great. You say, well, it must just be something's wrong with me or it must just be because of this or because of that. I'm telling you today, the reason you experience sorrow, difficulty, hardship in your life is because back in the day, Adam and Eve made a decision to invest their lives into a relationship with themselves over a relationship with God. And because they didn't choose a relationship with God, it cast a shadow over all of humanity. And now there is a separation between us and and God. All of the experiences that you uh, see in life, all of the difficulty, all the sorrow, labor, hardship, offense, uh, anger, genocide, murder, rape, difficulty, abuse, all the things that you know about in our world today all stem from this one moment back in the garden when this, this was cast over all of humanity. And you and I today have the separation from God. And the separation from God can, can sometimes become a reality around Christmas time. Some of us here today, we, we're suffering difficulty or we feel distant from God or we feel disconnected. And so often in the Christmas season, we do one of two things. We busy ourselves so we don't have to slow down long enough to feel that separation. So we go to parties and we, we do this and we do that and we know it's about Jesus and we know there's a greater significance and we, we know that it's really not about Santa Claus and reindeers and those things that are all fine and good. But we, we know really it's not about that. But in order for me to not stop for a minute and actually feel what's really happening in my life and to remember that Jesus came for my life and that I sense, I feel there is separation between me and God. 
The other alternative is that we, we, we actually don't busy ourselves, but we just do, we, we don't allow ourselves time to stop and rest and consider what did Jesus coming to earth really mean for my life? And maybe you're here today and you feel separated from God. You feel distant from God. You feel far from God. There's been generations, this has been happening from Abraham to David, 14 generations, 500 years, where the, the people of Israel and the people of those nations rejected God. And then from David all the way to the Babylonian deportation, when, when the, the people of Israel were giving in to idols and rejecting God, there was another 500 years. And then from the Babylonian deportation to the birth of Christ, there was 500 some odd years where there was complete silence. It's a season where we, we read from the Old Testament in, in Malachi and we see all these old prophets to, to Matthew. You say, well, you turn one page. That one page represents 500 years of silence where God is nowhere to be found. Maybe you're here today and you feel like that is how your life is at today where you feel like you are separated from God. And if we look back in history, we see in Isaiah chapter, chapter 6 to chapter 9, chapter 6 represents that things were not going very good. There was, there was rumors of war and there was famine and there was, there was eradication of godless people and there was all sorts of difficult and terrible things that were happening in the world. And then God came to King Ahaz and King Ahaz was experiencing a very challenging situation and God came to him and said, I want to help you. I want to help you during this season of your life when it's dark and it's gloomy and it's difficult and you don't know where to go and you don't know where to turn and you feel like you feel separated from me. I want to help you. I'm actually going to give you a sign and in Isaiah 7 14 he says all right then the Lord himself is going to give you proof. He's going to give you a sign. Look the virgin will conceive a child she'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Then they had chapter 8, and chapter 8, Isaiah the prophet went on about all sorts of terrible things. Just gloom and doom prophecy. I skipped those chapters, just kidding. Like, uh, the gloom and doom, like, oh my gosh, this is a, oh, this is so depressing. Like, things are so terrible. Like, oh, things are so hard. Like, man, we just can't pay our bills. And man, our world just seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket. It just seems like it's godless. It just seems like it's nowhere. It just seems like everywhere I turn, politicians are doing that, and government are pa passing this type of law, and this type of thing's happening, and people are dying all across the world. It just seems gloomy and doomy and difficult. And then we come to chapter 9 of Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesies, for a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. Look at this in the uh, English uh, Standard Version. For uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So amongst turmoil, amongst difficulty, amongst hardship, whether on a global scale or an individual scale in your life, God came and said, I'm going to show you a sign that I'm actually going to send this young baby boy and he will be the Prince of Peace. This Prince of Peace is the everlasting Father. He's the sign from God. And 500 years later, a doctor named Luke went and interviewed Mary the mother of Jesus. He says, I wasn't there, but I need you to tell me what happened. 
And in Luke chapter, chapter 2, 11, we see that Mary turned to Luke and began to divulge the story of what happened. And, he, and he, he looked at her and said, okay, this is what happened, that today, on this day, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. So Mary is reflecting on the past of, hey, Luke, listen, you're a doctor. You're taking an account. He says, I want you to know that this is what happened, that on this specific day, a Savior had been born. The Messiah, the Lord, the Prince of Peace entered humanity, sent by God, God's one and only Son, born of a virgin Mary, born as completely 100% human, born to the earth, not just a birth of immaculate uh, conception, not just a birth that's a miracle, a birth that came into humanity and brought peace to your situation, peace to your terrible life, peace to the things you're facing, peace to the marriage that's falling apart, peace to your financial hardship, peace in a world globally where there's no answers and nowhere to turn, peace in your addiction, peace in your separation from God. Prince of Peace was born to earth, he was born to us, and he brought peace. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 says this, yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you've been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been unified to Christ, our reconciling peace is Jesus. Now, Jesus' words just aren't peace. Jesus' body isn't just peace. Jesus' thoughts isn't just peace. Jesus himself is peace. That when Jesus was born, peace that had never been seen on the planet before came to earth. A peace that had never been understood. In fact, it was a peace that transcended all understanding. It was a peace that went beyond our human reasoning. When this happened, it was like they had never experienced this before. It's like the first time you have a, a, a meal or oh, if you eat like in, I've been to Brazil and eaten Brazilian food or Japanese food or the first time you taste something you've never had before and you think, you're telling me that all this time I could have had this and it's amazing and it's blowing my mind? That's what it was like. When the Prince of Peace came down, they had never experienced that type of peace before. They had never experienced it up until that moment. And Prince of Peace came. And Jesus is our peace. Look at this in Romans 5.1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. We'll talk about in a couple of weeks how you are flawless in God's eyes. Oh my goodness. Merry Christmas. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting Peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. I want to unpack that true and lasting peace with God for a minute. So look at this. The first kind of definition of that Greek word, it's got several nuances. The first is that it's, the word is unhindered. This type of peace is unhindered. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's the type of peace that is no delay. There's no interruption. In the journey of God's peace, when God came to this earth and he offers you peace with God, it doesn't get interrupted by your sin. It doesn't get interrupted by your hardship. It doesn't get interrupted by your worry or your doubt. There's not a moment in the rest of history when your relationship with God, where, where peace with God stops. It is unhindered. It continues. This peace is resilient. It continues continuously to fight to keep you to 
together. The word actually means to be joined. I found this very interesting as I studied this. The actual word piece in the Greek is actually a, a carpenter word. It's, it's used as it's what master carpenters would use. You know you're a really good carpenter. And it's interesting as this word refers to this, this carpentry, Jesus was a carpenter, which find it interesting that Jesus himself, peace himself, the representation of peace itself was this thing called a dovetail joint. And a dovetail joint looks just like this uh, on the screen behind me here. A dovetail joint is the idea. It's a technique used to join two pieces of wood together. And the dovetail joint is famous for its tensile strength and organic connection where no nails are needed and no screws are needed to form a very strong, beautiful union between a, a pin and, uh, and, and the connection. So when these two things connect together, there is nothing that can separate these two things in its work and its craftsmanship. They are created to be joined together. And it's interesting that it's called a dovetail. The, the piece that it was made looks like the, the tail of a, a dove, like the Holy spirit and here we see that no matter what happens in your life no matter how far away you go from God no matter how bad the marriage gets God's peace remains resilient and unhindered and it will not break apart and it continues to be the very foundation of your life that God will never allow this peace to stop between you and Look at the scripture that proves my point. In Romans chapter 8. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that this love will triumph over death, life, troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us Beneath us, no power that could be even be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. This type of peace is a place of unhindered enjoyment of friendship beyond guilt, suspicion, blame, and inferiority. So you might be here today and say, yeah, Ryan, I'm a, I'm a follower of God. I'm a Christian today, and I'm here today, and that's great, and I think that's awesome, but do you have this type of peace with free from shame, guilt, suspicion that God's going to pull a gotcha moment on you. I thought you forgave me for that. Why do I feel this guilt? Why do I feel that shame? That ain't nothing but the devil, girl. It ain't Jesus. Because it's unhindered and it's resilient and nothing can separate it. The other thing that I find really interesting about this idea of peace, which I think will apply to many of us in this room, if we go back to that Genesis account where we talked about pain, uh, the pain of childbirth and the sorrow of a man working, that idea of sorrow, I left out one of the definitions for your benefit, and now I'm going to bring it up right now. In the scripture, it actually refers to the idea of worrisomeness. Listen, a part of the curse is the curse of worry. So if you're here today and you have a, an anxiety problem or a, 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 a worry issue, you think something's wrong with me. Oh, nothing's wrong with you. It was the shadow that was cast over humanity. That when you are stirred with anxiety or 
stress or the sense of overwhelming, this sense of, oh my gosh, I don't know, so it's different levels and different measures for different people. Some people, it's so extreme and it, it incapacitates their ability to function physically. Others, it's just a, a passing thought or something that you invest into a relationship out of fear or you invest into a certain financial dealing out of fear or you distance yourself from a relationship out of fear or you won't be a part of a local church because of fear or worry or anxiety. I'm not going to get hurt like that again. Anxiety and fear, it overcomes us. This isn't just something's not wrong with you. It's not like you woke up and you're different than every other person in the room, that you're the one that struggles with this. Every single person on the planet was cursed with worrisomeness. And what we don't understand about this little baby sometimes, this little baby represents peace itself. It isn't just the idea of peace. It is peace. Let's look at his definition of the word prince of peace. The word prince there obviously would mean a ruler, a leader, a chief, a captain. So he's the captain of your peace. He's the leader of your peace. He's the chief of your peace. He's the head of your peace. He's the peace in your life. Not that thing you turn to. Not that unhealthy relationship. Not that drug or the alcohol or maybe you just binge on Netflix because it makes me feel so good. <laughs> Whatever it is in your life that you turn to, you got to know Jesus wants to be the peace in your life. The word shalom here, I've shared this in the past, but I want to share it again because it's so stinking good. The Hebrew word here, Hebrew is read from the right to the left, not the left to the right. The first word, letter here means to destroy. The second letter, uh, the, the third letter in our thought process, is to uh, a shepherd staff or authority. So let's put those two together, and it means the, uh, to destroy the authority. So the first idea of shalom is that you, the authorities, there's an authority in your life. You've given authority to this anxiety. I've given authority to this fear. I've given authority to this doubt and this shame and this guilt. And the idea is that there is a destruction of that authority. The third word here is to attach or connect together. And the fourth word is the word water or chaos. The word picture there is of a tsunami or waves crashing over you. This idea of waves crashing over you. So if you look at the definition together, to destroy the authority that is attached or connected to your chaos. So wherever your chaos is, whatever the marriage problem, the finance issue, the uh, Uncle Ted you just don't want to see at Christmas, you know, all those different things, all this different chaos that you have, what Shalom does, what Jesus Shalom does, he comes and says, I'm going to destroy the fear about Uncle Ted. Yeah, I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy this idea that you can never have healthy finances in your life. I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy this doubt in your mind that God isn't as good as he says he is. I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy the authority that you've given to these areas of your life. I'm going to destroy it because I am the Prince of Peace. When the son was born, when that baby boy was born, he came to destroy these things in your life. The second definition of these words here is, again, a ruler, a leader, a chief, a captain. Look at these definitions of shalom, and I'm sure you want some of this. Completeness. Soundness of your body, mind, and spirit. Safety. Health. Prosperity. 
tranquility, contentment, making restitution or restoration, to make whole. Look at this. To experience life beyond normal peace. He's the captain of your peace. Look at the scripture in Colossians 3. Paul wants to prove a point. Look at this. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace, the shalom of Christ, let, let it rule in your heart. Let's all say that first word together. Let. Let. You got to stop giving so much authority to your fear. Stop giving so much authority to the narrative that the enemy has stirred in your mind. This story you've been writing in your brain about that relationship, about that situation, about that person, all that's doing is stirring and you're giving this story authority over the Prince of Peace. Well, Jesus wants to destroy it. You've got to let. Look at this in the Amplified Classic Translation. And let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ. Look at this rule. Act as umpire continually. The word there, rule, means to act as an umpire, to decide, to determine, to direct, to control. So when Jesus was born, he didn't just bring you peace with God. He didn't just finally settle the fact that guess what? Jesus loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus loves you and no matter how bad you've been, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how distance you've had from God, guess what? He loves you anyways. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing in this universe. Not only that, then, in order for me to experience the peace of God, I have to have peace with God. So you say, Ryan, I'm here today and I just don't have that peace. Maybe we need to step back to your relationship with the Lord and ask yourself this question. How am I, am I really letting Christ be the umpire of my heart? You know, we look at the scripture here of our kind of our, our, our story of Jesus being born. And we see that this idea, actually, Mary exemplified this in Luke chapter, Luke chapter uh, 2. Mary, you know that song, Mary, did you know? Like that? <laughs> Randall's like... I wonder if Mary knew that, that one day Jesus would be brutally murdered on a cross. I wonder if Mary one day knew that her son would grow up and be ridiculed and mocked and betrayed and back. Can you as a mama imagine watching your son being beaten so brutally that he, when he went to the cross, literally the, 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 the rib cage of his back was poking out because they beat him so brutally. Can you imagine watching your little boy have a crown of thorns shoved on top of your head and guess what? He was completely innocent. I think Mary knew. And the scripture says in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 to 19, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. That phrase is Mary pondered them in their heart. That word pondered there actually means to give over to one's care uncertain about the results. 
Mary, 13, 14-year-old young girl, is told that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. She'd never had sex yet, folks. And so now, because she hadn't had sex, her, her, her fiancé, who was double her age, had the right to divorce her or stone her. Stoning or divorcing, you choose. And if she was divorced, she would never be able to be married ever again. This young girl was facing trauma and difficulty and hardship like many of us could never even understand. And when she heard these things, she says, you know what? I'm going to cast my care upon to God because I don't know how the future turns out. I don't know how this all looks. I don't know what happens. I don't know what's going to happen at Christmas time with Uncle Ted. I don't know how this, this family reunion is going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to pay for all these things. I don't have a darn clue how any of this is going to turn out, but I'm going to yield it to the Prince of Peace. One last verse and then we'll end our time today. Two verses. <laughs> I didn't read this one. You just need to see it. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Like, will you guys look at that word transcends? That's a, um, an ethereal word. It's a word that relates to space and time. You know what it means? It's out of this planet. It's like on another universe. It's another, like, it's just out of this world peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard. What does it do? Guards. Okay, uh-uh, no, no, fear? Uh, no. This peace they have, it's new peace in town, <laughs> and it transcends all understanding, so you're actually not allowed any longer. Hey, little narrator in the corner writing that on the table, you know, writing all those stories that you've created in your mind about how this person hates you and all this thing. Yeah, you, you need to take retirement now because there's a new prince in town, the prince of peace. And the peace I'm giving them is going to guard their heart and mind. It's going to be beyond anything they ever imagined. And look what Jesus says in John chapter 17, and we'll end on this verse. John 14, I'm sorry. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Look at this. I mean, this cannot be more clear to those in the room. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I am, I'm not really a follower of God. I mean, I grew up Christian or I grew up Catholic or I grew up religious or I didn't grow up at all. See, I'm not, I don't really understand what's happening. What did I say? I don't know. Huh? Oh, I wish I meant to say things like that. That would be awesome if it was that funny. Wherever you're at today, okay? Stop judging me. This verse should be an answer to you of why it's so great to serve Jesus. Because he left you with a gift. The gift, the peace of mind and heart. And the peace that he gives, look at this. The world cannot give it. That relationship cannot give it. That present cannot give it. That job cannot give it. There is literally nothing. I want you to hear me. There is nothing in your life that will ever give you the peace that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is so exciting for me to tell you today because many of you here today are either two categories, maybe three, but I'll give you two. The third category would be you don't need any of this and you're good to go. So I won't even mention that, but I just did. So I'll say the other two. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I don't know God. Well, guess what? There is an out-of-world experience a spiritual experience that is available to you. That you no longer have to 
do those drugs or alcohol or friendships or whatever it may be. Maybe you're not that type of person. You no longer have to carry the burdens of this life any longer on your own. You have a Prince of Peace who came to earth as a little baby boy who eventually died on a cross and he was buried and he rose on the third day and on that third day he appeared to over 500 different people representing the fact that he actually rose bodily from the dead to say to you today, you as a person who doesn't know God or you're here today and you say, Ryan, I am a Christian but I've never experienced that peace. You need to go back to the, your peace with God. There's something here for you today. So don't be troubled. That word troubled means worry, stress, anxiety. Afraid means fear. Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Today, if you let it, your fear can stop. Today, if you let it, your anxiety can stop. Your stress can stop. Will it flare up? Uh-huh. And guess what? You've got a God that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I believe that you and I can get to a place we begin to experience this peace that surpasses all understanding, that transcends this worldly experience. Just stand with me this morning. Would you just stand for a minute? I just want to pray. And we're going to end our time together. Just maybe close your eyes if you could this morning. I want to ask a couple questions as I do every week. The reason we close our eyes is just to make sure everyone feels comfortable to respond. How I'm going to ask you to respond today is if you're here today and you and you want to respond to one of these prayers today, I want you to put your hand real high for just a few seconds and then put it down. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. Here today, you say, Ryan, I came in here today, and you know what? I grew up in a, maybe you grew up religious. Or maybe you've never been to church, or maybe you don't know God. And you say, Ryan, today, I would like to know this Prince of Peace. Would you do me a favor today? You say, Ryan, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. Would you just put your hand real high in the air so I can see you just for one moment? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you forward. Just put your hand in the air for just a few seconds. Come on, if anybody else is in the room today and you say, you know what, Ryan? I need this peace in my life. I need this type of peace in my life. And I'm a follower of God, and I need it in my life, Ryan. I need this peace that surpasses all understanding. Come on, church, would you put your hand in the air today and let me see who you are today so I can pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't pull you forward. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. Come on, the hands all across the room. Come on, church, repeat after me as I pray today. I want to say, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I want to pray for the second group. Let's pray for the first group today, those who raise their hand to accept Christ in your life. Come on, church, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I need you in my life. I feel separated from you. I confess that you're the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and become my Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the second group, Father. The Bible says that he who waits on the Lord shall renew their strength. I speak to every fear, anxiety, and worrisomeness in this room right now. And by the power of Jesus Christ, we eradicate it. We push it back. You no longer have the keys to our minds. 
You no longer have access to my spirit. You no longer have access to my soul. We reject your access, fear, doubt, shame. We reject it by the power of Jesus Christ because there is a new authority in my life. Right now, I declare that we welcome the authority of Jesus Christ, the baby Jesus, the, the, the baby Jesus who came and was born and died and was risen from the dead on the third day. Father, we today declare that that Jesus Christ is our Prince of Peace. You are a captain. You are our leader. You are our guide. You are our assistant. You are our counselor. You are our advocate. And we will no longer allow these things to control our lives. We say no. We say yes to God. As we end our time today, Father, I just pray that as we go into this Christmas season, Father, you would even force us to come to a place where we say, all right, Lord, where am I at with you? For those in the room, God, who are feeling anxiety, maybe even medically feeling with anxiety in their life, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus Christ. That you would eradicate this torturous thinking and they would be transformed by the renewing of their mind, by the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.